Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus 33 today. So this is, after what seems like it was sort of an interruption or a bump in the road, going back to the plan here. They've received the Ten Commandments, and so now, hey, we're going we're gonna to go. We're going to go leaving here in chapter 33. You have the instructions to leave. Of course, uh, there's that one little detail about the Ten Commandments being shattered into pieces that we're going to have to address in chapter 34. But this is an interesting chapter here because we, we have the direction. Okay, you know what? Yes, I'm not going to destroy my people. You get to go to the Promised Land still, despite what happened. Um, because of the intercession of Moses. And in this chapter, we do see uh, halfway through about uh, more of that intercession there in verse 12, Christ prefigured in Moses as he pleased on behalf of the people. So good stuff to be looking at today. And joining us as our guest, we've got returning Pastor Kevin Martin, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Rolla, North Carolina. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. How are you and the brothers and sisters doing out there? Good morning. Uh, we're doing great. Yeah, doing fine. A little warm. It's been scorching hot here. Oh, but, yeah, uh, sure. Other than that, yeah. Other than that, really nice. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't recall what the, uh, what the restrictions are like out there in North Carolina. How are you guys uh, doing uh, s- Sunday mornings and everything? Uh, we really have, um, very minimal restrictions compared to most places. We're just churches have been exempted from the mass gathering rules that are okay. in place in other states, and we're just asked to do our best at social distancing and taking other precautions. And uh, we do that. And uh, uh, I would say that we're we get about maybe half or sixty percent of a normal attendance the last few weeks. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, but, but no, we're not being, you know, we're not we're not being officially restricted or hindered in any way, which we appreciate very much. I think it's a lot yeah. worse in a lot of other places. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, um, yeah, worse in terms of restrictions, and and perhaps yeah. perhaps worse too yeah. in terms of just the, how how the numbers are. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm happy yeah. to hear that. Thanks for. Sharing a bit yeah, of good news. No, and our, our numbers in our county have been, I think, 1,400 uh, deaths um, out of, uh, you know, a couple million people. And that number right. really hasn't budged very much since the uh, reopening phases. So we're, we're grateful for, for that. Oh, pray, praise God for what's going over there in your parts. Uh, so yeah, so not not then like the situation we read last time in Exodus 32, where uh, there's <laughs> mass bloodshed and and a and a plague and uh, and, yeah. and all the rest. I mean, this is uh yeah, this is so this is all following on the heels of that, and um, it, it is interesting how it's. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think this is, this is again one of these chapters where, because I think it follows a really big, prominent chapter, it's kind of really overshadowed and maybe it gets overlooked. But I mean, it really is something that, despite all that, God's like, okay, here, let's 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 go. We're still going on this trip together. Yeah, and it it does have at the end one of the famous uh, places that Luther spends a lot of time that we can't see God face to face, but we only see His back. 
um, which yes. which Luther makes spends a great deal of time reflecting upon in Bondage of the Will and other places. And uh, uh, so we have some good stuff there. And they does he see God face to face or not see him face to face? No, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good one actually. Yeah, that that little scene there, and it it seems yeah. to be something that's uh, alluded to or or worked on in the Gospels too, right? So yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh, to be making some yeah. connections there at the end of the chapter. So good stuff for yeah. us today. But uh, without Definitely. any further ado, would you say a prayer for us, and we'll get this thing yeah. read. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We pray that through your presence you would enlighten our hearts and minds with true faith in you, that we may live uh, boldly, courageously, and serving you and serving our neighbors as our callings indicate this we ask in the name of christ our savior amen amen all right um so yeah let's go ahead and turn to the text um you know medium length chapter here uh we kind of already you know I, I think i was mentioning some of the parts more towards the beginning and you just kind of mentioned the part there at the end um anything else that we ought to keep in mind or look out for before we read the chapter straight through I mean, the only other thing is uh, about midway through whether God's presence is going to go with them or not. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. And, and exactly you know, how, how we envision, I think, it says that God spoke to Moses face to face, and then he says his presence isn't going to go with him, and then the cloud rests upon the tent of meeting. I, I always find it a little bit challenging myself trying to get get a picture of this exactly. yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I mean it, it really is just a. Uh, you, I think it's so valuable to try to get a picture, try to visualize, and and kind of almost kind of like you know play, play it like a movie in your head because it's when you do that yeah. that you're kind of asking those questions like now hang on a second like what what does he mean by this and you know what what's he getting at with that so <laughs> hopefully we'll yeah be able to make some sense of this kind of multivalent presence of God. Yeah, I mean, it may not be the best way to read Scripture, but as you well say, I, I, it's kind of my default setting as playing it as a movie in my head, yeah. which is, there are other ways to read that may be more profitable, but that that tends to be the mode I get stuck in, and so this chapter presents some unique difficulties for those <laughs> who, who may be kind of, you know, picture a movie in your head type of yeah. Bible readers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and we've had that a few times too, especially when when it was everything with just you know Moses and um, well Moses and who going up and down the mountain, right? Whether it's is it Aaron, is it Joshua? <laughs> but yeah, so there were. It's not the first time in Exodus, but yeah. So we'll we'll go ahead and take a look, and we'll and we'll we'll yeah. kind of uh, we'll kind of compare mental movies when we get through the chapter. So here we are, Exodus there chapter thirty three here from the top in the English Standard Version. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. 
For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you've spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So I, I really, really like uh, this chapter just because of all the dialogue that you have back and forth between Moses and God. I mean, that, that line there, uh, which, is, which is just so—it's it, cool, and it gets picked up in John, I think, where uh, the Lord says— um, I haven't called you servants, but but friends. Uh, where, yeah. where is that line there about the, the friend, right? In verse 11, yeah. right? The Lord used to yeah. speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. You you have that sense with this back and forth that they have. Like they have a rapport and like, I, I don't know, like like it's almost like they, they might like have banter or something. Like it, it's it's amazing, I think, the picture of the intimacy that Moses has with God. I mean, and it's really just mind-blowing when you think that, you know, this is just Moses just kind of hanging out and chatting with the creator of the universe. I, I mean, for me, it sort of seems to, uh, well, I mean, it reminds me of both in Genesis, the description of 
how Adam would just, you know, go on walks with God and chat, right, in the, in the you know, nice breeze. Um, but then also yeah. in the New Testament, the descriptions of the Lord Jesus uh, and the intimacy that he has as between father and son. Yeah, and the, the word banter is especially appropriate, I think, in this place and in others, that God's almost like, I'm not going to go with you. I'm just tired of you <laughs> yeah. people. You know, I'm just, just so sick of you. I mean, I, if I went up with you, I'd just probably kill everybody. And yeah. Moses, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean by that. But you know what? I'll tell you what. If you don't go with me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Like a cheekiness to this that is, but but in all things, there's just a strong, gracious, I mean, there's a wonderful law gospel tension here that, that the law has consequences, and yet the gospel, God forgives and bears with. But to take that for granted, you know, as if we can just assume it, something that Moses never does. And, and yet he relies so thoroughly that, God, that grace will dominate over the judgment that we we deserve that he can be almost cheeky with god yeah yeah i i like the way you're kind of paraphrasing it because i i think that too often and i think we we saw the same thing with some of the negotiations with pharaoh that that we take it's like everything that moses says is like another one of the commandments or something right um and so i remember like with with uh with pharaoh how he's like you know the esv has you know uh, you know, like something like very well, um, you, you will never again see my face. And and then we like read the next chapter and we're like, oh, hey, but they're talking. This is like a prophecy <laughs> that didn't come true. And, and it's just like, well, no, it's like he wasn't saying like, this wasn't like, supposed to be like some prophecy prediction. He's just saying like, fine, I won't come back here. I, I mean, and, yeah. and so it's that kind of like back and forth, like you were saying, like God's like, ah, I'm not going. I'd just kill you all. You guys are just nuts. <laughs> I, I think that's that's kind of closer to the real sense that. You know, Moses knows that God's he's like saying how he feels and 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 he can change his mind. I mean, that's you know, I mean, it's very anthropomorphic, but I, I think that's really the presentation here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, extremely well said. We kind of hang on all this like there are different ways that God speaks to his people and the intimacy and the friendship with Moses. I mean, I think. That line that you rightly picked out in verse 11 is just key for getting this whole chapter. This is not God thundering from Mount Sinai, commandments for all time and all places, deadly serious. This is how we talk to our friends, you know, yeah. and there, there, there are nuances there. There's almost – I think this is where the movie in the head – tone yeah. of voice. Yeah, definitely. Raising an eyebrow. You know, and and I think Jesus does this a lot in the Gospels with his disciples, and they do it too. I mean, one of my favorites is when he's like, "Do you understand everything I've said?" And they go, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think Jesus just gets a big smile and shakes his head. It's like, okay, let's let's just go on to the next town. I'm not gonna quiz. Yeah. You. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I was like, I was just looking at one one of those moments like yesterday. It was like, uh, I think it was in Mark, and he's like, "Guys, if you don't understand this parable, how are you supposed to understand <laughs> any of them?" Yeah, I mean, you just, I mean, he just kind of like lays it on him sometimes. Like, this isn't going to work, guys. You got to, you know, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that that kind of rapport, though, right? I mean, and it's when you read it, kind of like without any contractions, and then that kind of like you know machine voice. It, it sounds like he's just yeah. being really mean to them all the time. Harsh. Yeah. yeah, right. Why is he so mean? Like he doesn't like you know you? people for not being smart. But but it's, that's that's not what's going on. It's just that's that's the kind no. of uh, intimacy they have. Yeah, he, he's tweaking them like we tweak our friends, you know, when we're playing a game of horse or something. Now, Oz is a great shot, you know, when you miss everything. And yeah, you know, I yeah. don't even know if you guys are fit to be apostles, and yet there's no real – he doesn't really mean that. I mean that's where your word banter is good. You know, he's tweaking them a little bit, but they know that he has chosen them and he will not go back on that, but they shouldn't – get a swelled head about that. They shouldn't become arrogant, you know, but realize this is all graciousness. And Moses has that same back and forth. I, I think this is really an important discussion because I think sometimes we take it, everything so seriously. We miss the banter. We miss the love, the affection that God has for us in spite of ourselves that we can, we can miss the warmth you know, yeah. and the genuine, like a father with his child. Hey, when we discipline our children, you know, sometimes we have to be harsh, but there's no question but that we love them, that we care for them, that we're not going to abandon them. Right. And and yeah. that's where I think this chapter, oh, you know, I'm not going to go with you people anymore. Of course he's going to go with them. You know, he made a promise. Yeah. yeah. But – yeah. But, that, that doesn't mean that he feels like it right now. <laughs> not, not, not right after what just happened. Right at this moment, I would probably kill you if I came and hung out with you. But but you, I'll chat. I mean, it's almost that God bent a little bit with Moses. Yeah. And, yeah, I know. Yeah. And and it's just it's just like you say the intimacy, the friendship, and and you're right, Jesus, when he tells the apostles in John 15, no longer I call you servants. I call you friends, right. and and this is how we treat our friends. I mean, sometimes we say things to our friends that if we said them to just an acquaintance, they would be just offended, you know, and furious with us. Right. And yet, you know, you you can say things to your friends where you're pointing out a flaw, you're half serious; it is a flaw, but your love for them, you both know, you're going to stick with them anyway. Yeah, I think I think that is as you were saying. It's uh, it's helpful for me too, just to have have that conversation and kind of think through that and kind of kind of think about you know tone of voice and imagining it. And I, I remember just really really quick, and then we should move on to some of these yeah, uh, yeah. other points here. Um, I think yeah. it was the it was a while ago, but there was a movie that um, one, you know, one of these kind of like uh, Bible adaptations that that came out. It was oh gosh, I want to say it was like early two thousands or something. It was called the Gospel of John, and um, it was. Uh, let me see here. It was like, I, I think the text of it was pretty much just like the NIV, just straight. Yeah, I think it was like two thousand three here, and I think it was just like the NIV or something like that, just like pretty much like straight read out of it. But there's a couple of moments where they, they kind of. I'm not even sure they have any words, but they show these interactions between the Lord and the disciples, and I'm pretty sure at one moment he's like. 
he like plays a joke or like messes with one of the disciples or something like that. And then like comes over and like gives him a big noogie or something like that. And I just, I thought that that was one of the most brilliant moments of the thing, the way it's portrayed. And, uh, anyway, that was, that that was just really cool. Uh, but no, and I I think it's important when we preach on this, it's a tough thing. If it, you can make you can make the gospel sound so harsh and legalistic yeah. and not gospel at all if you don't somehow manage in your telling of the story to, to catch some of those nuances, some of that warmth and affection, some of the humor, some of the banter. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. All right, but we got serious stuff in here too. So. That's right. We've got to be a little serious today at least. Um Yeah. So so uh so we look here at the beginning of the chapter. Um so you know, God speaks again to Moses and it's the it's the instructions you know to to head out which um you know i, I was kind of hinting at the beginning it, in some ways feels kind of weird because well they're not actually going to like go right now <laughs> uh, right. in chapter 34 it's like oh yeah those tablets were smashed to pieces so um right. we, there's going to be that and then i think at the end of the chapter in 34 it's going to say that um yeah moses has to spend another 40 days and 40 nights up there um yeah yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. over in uh verse 28 so th- it's gonna be a little while still uh but i think it's important here in this in this first uh section here in in the first three verses uh well, i mean really really kind of the first like six verses here that it's an affirmation that they still get to go on this trip and i, I was kind of putting it that way because it's sort of like when you're not on the best of terms with certain family members, then you go and get in the car for like 12 hours, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like there's forgiveness that they're showing you just by the fact that they're sitting in the same vehicle still. Right. Right. And there is one the the first verse is actually very important um, for very contentious in the modern world that I'm taking you to the land because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Yeah, And I said, to your offspring, I will give it. And in Galatians 3, 15 and 16, Paul tells us under divine inspiration, that is offspring singular, which mm-hmm. means Christ, that the land of Israel is not given to all the Israelites. It belongs to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus. And yeah. that, oof, in, in our modern world, obviously, we could spend a whole hour just talking about the implications of that realization. Because most oh, yeah. modern Christians take this as a plural, that God gave the land to all the people, but he gave yeah. it to Abraham and to Christ. Yeah, so. I, I think that that's, um, that that's well said. We've talked in a number of places, um, I mean, even in the last couple of chapters, really, about this. You know, yes, like Israel is is the church. That's, that is the clear language of Paul in the, in the scripture you just quoted and elsewhere. Yeah. Um, th- there is no okay. That was Israel, and now this is like some new thing over here. No, it's it's all part of the same family of yeah. faith, um, the choosing of of Abraham, and uh, and 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 I think that that point then uh, it allows actually a little bit of flexibility because I, I think in the in the in the short run you can understand this literally as. Uh, well, yes, it's going to be the offspring of the people of Israel, which is significant because in just the prior chapter, God offered Moses, hey, I'll destroy them, 
I'll give you new kids, and I will give the promised land to your offspring, Moses. So I, I think that um, in, in this moment, there's kind of this literal level where uh, this is pretty gracious in saying, okay, I, I will I will give it to, to their offspring, these people over here still, um, and, and kind of that little bit of uh, this this emphasis there. Um but 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 yeah, I think that the part of I, I agree with you. You were saying kind of earlier, kind of the weird. There's a little bit of this weirdness of he's going to send an angel before them when they're on this yeah. trip, and and, and they're going to go, but he's not going to go up among them. So it's it's sort of like okay, I'm affirming it. you guys get to go, and we're going to go, but just you're going to. I mean, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm, and, and I'm doing this because I made a promise and I keep my promises, but yeah. I'm not going to go, but I'll send an angel, you know, who will yeah. go. And there's this whole kind of little, like you say about the car trip when you've had a big fight right before a 12 hour <laughs> drive. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go, but you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm going to come later. I'm going to take the boss, you know, I'll meet well, you maybe, there. yeah, maybe I like, I like that suggestion. And, and I want to, I want to kind of play with this a little bit more, but it's time for our break already, but everybody hang yeah. on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 33 here on nice strong word. We'll be right back. Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Soldiers, athletes, and musicians know that physical training develops reflexes to respond in the moment without having to think about it. What about spiritual training? Dr. Michael Ziegler tells how God gives his people the reflex to reflect his mercy for the world. Reflexive mercy, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Our teaching on the Lord's Supper. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 33 here, this, this banter between Moses and God. Our guest today, Pastor Kevin Martin from Our Savior Lutheran Church in Rowan, North Carolina, where things are you know, pre pretty all right. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Martin, give us a call if you're listening live. 
1-800-730-2727 or if you're in St. Louis 314-821-0850 you can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org uh, live stream seems to be misbehaving itself this morning but I'll, I'll get that posted on facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa afterwards uh, of course I know that most of you guys are listening on KFUO and that is in no small part to the help and support of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation who do the underwriting. Thank you guys for supporting Nice Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, so we have a couple questions here, Kevin, to, to take a look at, but they're dealing with attentive meetings. So I guess this is our signal to, uh, to get move a move on. Yeah, we should probably do that. But um, I mean, I, I do. I, I liked what you were saying, though, right before the break. That okay, maybe there's this sense of like, yeah, I'll I'll go with you, but like I'll catch up, right? Because that that actually, <laughs> like you were saying, it kind of makes sense, right? In these kind of human terms, which is you know, God's being portrayed very humanly here. Um, you know, something that you know, I, I feel like, well, how can he be so human? Like, well, because in a sense, he. Incarnation, yeah, the incarnation, right? So, I mean, this is, you know, in in some ways, this is uh, this is actually the Lord Jesus bantering with one of his disciples, right? Like, just like we yeah. were talking about right here, which yeah. is a which is kind of a really weird way to think about that. That you know, like the Lord Jesus, he's like hanging out with like Peter and James and John, and he and he's thinking about, yeah, you know, and, and then the time I was out there with Moses, and he smashed the tablets. That was a crazy night, uh, but. Yeah, you know, so you, you've got this. I mean, and I feel like that makes sense anyway, this idea that he'll kind of join them uh, later. And, and so that's why he sends the angel for now. Yeah. Which they regard as disastrous. You know, well, that reaction, though, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, isn't, isn't that isn't that interesting? Because, I mean, he, it's not like he's saying, like— well, you know, well, just you have to go the first half on your own and, you know, just whatever happens, happens, man. Uh, no, like it's the angel, the angel of the Lord is going with them. I mean, this is I mean, isn't this like a good thing? I mean, that that was the description that we had, um, you know, God sending these angels to to do his work in Egypt. Um, it, it was the angel of the Lord that was with, with the, the light and the cloud of darkness and uh, preventing Pharaoh from getting them in their crossing of the Red Sea. So isn't that a good thing to be happy about? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you my hypothesis. I mean, we can yeah. poke holes in it. But I, I think I think this is helping them to see that the, the incarnate Lord, because he spoke to Abraham in the flesh. And I, I kind of think when it says he spoke to him face to face, that this is the incarnate Lord speaking to him in human form. And then yeah. when he says on the mountain, you can't see my face, we're talking about Yahweh, the Father, in all his unveiled glory. And I think part of this chapter is very serious, getting them to see well, what Philip had to learn. Jesus, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And the Lord says, Philip, you don't know. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I almost think that that's what's going on in this whole chapter, that the angel is is God, that he is the angel of the Lord, the incarnate one is fully God. And right. they're just having a little trouble with that. You know, they're just having difficulty there. I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think there's definitely something to that. I remember when we were uh, way back when, when we were going over 
uh, numbers, the, the, just the description that you had of how God, he comes down in this cloud, um, and, and it's like, you at least Moses can like see this, this this form this figure amidst the cloud right he can't like you know see like just you know like a person who's standing right in front of you because there's, there's this cloud right but he can like kind of see like how tall he is right he like you yeah. know is he is, is this like a scrawny guy or is he well built i mean he's like it's like he's right. close enough um to to kind of see that much and, and that it's like a human like you were saying a human figure which which is a uh, without getting like super philosophical uh and just kind of get like a little bit philosophical right when we talk about like the pre-incarnate christ right we got to remember that whole pre-notion that's that's like a limitation on our part right like we're just talking about from our perspective of time right it, it happened before the incarnation but if the eternal god incarnates himself well, that means that the eternal God is incarnate. So, I mean, so he's incarnate yeah. in a sense, even back here, um, you know, Absolutely. chatting with Moses. So I, I, I totally agree with you that like when, I, yeah. when I mean, he's the, having these conversations, that, that's just that's just God in the flesh. It's Christ. God in the flesh. Yeah, because in my proof passage for this Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Yeah, you know, God's not bound by time the way we are, and that's and right. That, so, yeah, what yeah. So this is this is this is like those trippy. Well, yeah. It's, so it's like speaking of like all yeah. the movies, right? It's just like one of these like trippy, like you know, Back to the Future moments where it's like, you know, uh, yeah. like what, what what was his name? Like Marty can like go back in time, like before he was born or something like that, right? So it you know right. this is a little a little bit like that where. I mean, yeah, he, he's talking to him and, and you have this conversation. And I think one of the things that kind of reflects this kind of, uh, just, just the, the depth of the conversation is, did, did, I don't know if this jumped out at you, but the, the summary of the people's reaction describes yeah. what God says a little bit differently, right? Like there's the bit about the ornaments, um, right. in, in the description between Moses and God, there's no mention of the ornaments, Right. No, um, it's it's no. just I'm not going with you guys. I can't take it. Um, I've yeah. had enough for one day. Uh, but but then in the in the description, then you get this bit about the ornaments, and, and so this this I feel like this happens to interpreters all the time. And we're like, hang on a second, did they like make up the rule about the ornaments? And then we can think of like some kind of pious like, oh, this is like God like adding tradition to like you know like and, and the word of man to the word of God, right? Like this is man, you know. Right. And, and, and we get like really philosophical on this, or we do the same thing to Eve, right? When when we say you know back in the garden, like, hey, uh, God actually just said uh, don't eat it. He didn't say anything about not touching it. See, now you've gone and added, and that that was your first sin. And I and I think honestly, this is just kind of one of many many indications that that's really taking it way too far. That that we get summaries, you know, we get these summary descriptions of conversations that would have gone on for hours between Moses yeah. and God. And we get, we get, we get the cliffs notes. Like, I mean, the executive summary and there's more stuff that was said. Oh yeah. 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 And the ornaments are just a sign that they're, they're hedging their bets. I mean, they worship Yahweh, but they got other gods too. And that's the thing that just is not going to ride in the car with them as long as they got their little Baal and Asherah, you know, amulets on. He's just interesting. Not gonna, 
I'll meet you there. And they're like, okay, we're taking off the ornaments. We're taking off the ornaments. Because you're right. It's like executive summary. We're not hearing the entire conversation. And, Interesting. I, I, yeah. I was just I was reacting here. Uh, I didn't actually take the ornaments that way. I took it as like kind of put on your sackcloth and ashes so you better take off your fancy pearls and, and, and jewelry and, and bangles. Like it's it's more of a – you, you, you guys need to be in repentance mode right now. It, it, it's like I remember oh, yeah. gr I remember growing up like when, when we got mom upset, it was like <laughs> I, I know that the day I figured this out as a child, it was such a light bulb moment. It was like, oh, when that happens – I need to like stop smiling. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. I'm not, I don't mean anything bad by this. Right. I need to like stop like smiling and giggling and, 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 and like moving around fast and like, you know, doing that kind of like bubbly effort, effervescent thing because that's just going to make her more mad. Like I need to like also be sad with my mom. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and, and that would be the better way to not wind up on the, on the, on the bad side of the, the wrath of mom. And, and it could be – I mean there's no way of knowing. I mean it could just yeah. be that. But we do know that they plundered the Egyptians, and yeah. the gold and the silver that they got, all their jewelry, they got from the Egyptians. And the, these are little amulets or you know, Egyptian gods is – we can't know one way or the other, but it's certainly highly plausible because that's what the pagan peoples used to do with gold or silver. They'd turn it into little – Sure. Amulets, idols. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I mean, because God does say, "You are stiff-necked people. <laughs> Take off yeah. your ornaments, and I may know yeah. what to do with you." Yeah. So the, the, no, the, I, I love that part, right? That I may know what to do with you, right? I mean, that that sounds like an angry parent, right? I don't even know what to do I, with you right now. Go to your room. <laughs> I remember, I remember coming home with the demerit and and my my mom going, "Hi, you. Go, I'm so mad at you right now. Go to your room." I'll let your father decide what we're going to do with you. And you're yeah, like, what oh, we're going to no, do with you. Good. I know, right? It's yeah, uh, yeah. like, sell me to the circus or something, you know? <laughs> Am I still going to get to live in the house? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what makes me think the ornaments are not just neutral decorations or their, their, their festal apparel, but yeah. possibly little Egyptian. And they may not even realize what they are because they just – picked them up recently from the egyptians here take yeah. this take it so they may not yeah. fully know what they've got on well no that's that's fair yeah no i, I think I, I think that's i think that's fair and we'd it'd be interesting to to take a closer look at look at that stuff but yeah. let, let's talk about the uh yeah. the, the the tent of meeting tent here meeting. yeah so i mean it's is interesting right because you know here we were focusing on um the instructions to build the tabernacle right uh and they're yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna do that um, but there's also this other tent thing going on here, right? So, um, yeah. hang on, how how many tents do we have? Why? What's going on with this one? What's going on with the other one? You know, connect the dots here for us. Yeah. Well, I, I find them, you know, not the easiest dots to connect. Um, yeah. I think there's some confusion. Is this a prototype? Because the tabernacle doesn't get built until chapter forty-ish, I think. Yeah. Is this sort of like what was serving as the focal point for worship until they actually had the tabernacle built? Or is yeah. this Moses' own tent? Because there's one way of reading it. I'm, not, I'm really not that sure on this. Mm -hmm. um, this is where my cinematic movie is failing. Okay, you yeah. know, I'm having trouble with the picture. 
Yeah. Is Moses just going when God says, look, just take off your ornaments. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to cool off because I don't even know what to do with you. And then the very next thing we hear is then Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off, and he called it the tent of meeting. So is Moses packing up his own tent going, if God is going to hang with you, I ain't going to hang with you either, man. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to go out. I'm going to let you stew and think about what you've done. I mean, my mom, I want you oh, to sit gosh. in your room and think about I'm, what you have done. You know, I, I'm well, thinking about an angry your... band director that just uh, had, had a move <laughs> where he would just – this is what happened. He's just like, you know, you're all goofing off, and so he just left and slammed the door, and it was just like, what? What are we doing now? You know, um, yeah, yeah. Then I, I, that's fair. I, yeah, I wonder. Um, so – so is Moses just kind of showing his solidarity with God, the seriousness? And I yeah. think it could be all of the above. I mean, I've always thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, the, Exodus is not my speciality by yeah. any means. Um, but I always kind of thought the tent of meeting was sort of a prototype for the tabernacle. Yeah. And that like Samuel used to never depart from the tabernacle that maybe Moses just made that his own dwelling. You know, maybe a lot of days he just stayed there, slept there outside yeah. the camp. I don't know. What, what well, do you think? Yeah. What's your, yeah. Well, what's I, I do. What's I do agree. Yeah. 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 So uh, this is a flashback for me uh, at verse seven. Um, and, and I think we have a little bit of something there in the Hebrew that kind of signals it. Like the first word of the Hebrew is, is and Moses, which is kind of a, a, very often this is a little bit of a flashback move where like we're kind of going to fill in some blanks about what something that Moses used to do or had done before and and the very next word then is not a perfect but an imperfect which kind of like supports that ESV translation of like this is what he would use used to do is just kind of the the, uh, the right. habit so i think this is actually filling in uh, a bit of a blank that we've had kind of going on actually for a little while because um, if I if I recall correctly, it was like right before the Ten Commandments that you had everything going on with um, uh, just Moses being overwhelmed that, you know, he's just, you know, all day people are coming to him and it's like, OK, OK, now what? OK, just cut the cut the baby in half, you know, and, you know, and it was that sort of thing. And, and it doesn't really explain in any of that kind of like. Well, where was Moses exactly? And like, where were the people going right. to meet him? Right. So right. I, I, mean, I think this is kind of filling in that blank, actually, that this whole while, right, even before they got there, it was, yeah, this proto tabernacle tent of meeting, which which I think was I, I mean, I don't, that, that's kind of like my my impression, especially with the description in verse eight, that sure. it's kind of like the meeting place for litigation that people the from the judgment. camp would yeah, they would go up and they'd be like, okay, so this guy, he just did this to me. And, and Moses is trying to be the arbitrator. I mean, so certainly uh, there, there's this element of, it says in verse 9, you know, of, of the Lord speaking with Moses, right? So the Lord meeting him. But I think that's part of the idea that it's like, okay, I've pr- you, you've you presented your cases. I'm going to go talk with God and he'll tell me what to do with what you've done. Uh, which is, I think, yeah. also what you see reflected later on in I'm trying to think. I think it was, I want to say it was numbers, but like the first time that someone actually breaks the Sabbath, uh, it's like, okay, oh, yeah. tie him up. I'm going to go talk to God and figure out what to do with this guy, right? And, and so yep. you actually see that pattern of Moses. He goes and he kind of gives a provisional assessment, 
And he's like, I'm going to go pray, talk to God. He'll tell me what to do. And then I'll give you the verdict. I mean, this seems like this is filling in those blanks to kind of uh, make the movie work uh, from all the way earlier and even uh, kind of later, you know, even when we have a tabernacle that, that maybe that's the same pattern that was maintained. Well, yeah, no, no. I mean, it works because the tabernacle ends up being a hall of judgment, but in yeah. a much more evangelical sense, right? Yeah. So, so right. it is a foreshadowing in that way. No, that that, that works for me. That fills in my movie quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and then if it doesn't work, it's like, hey, it was it was a movie adaptation, you know, artistic license, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that that's. Um, that I think that kind of answers like one of the questions that someone had on Facebook, which was like, how often is, are these meetings happening? I think the idea for, especially mm -hmm. from like, what was it? Exodus like 19 or 18. Uh, yeah. Back in 18, it's like kind of all the time and sort of like all day yeah. that, that Moses yeah. was not just like hanging out around the camp. It was basically, he was just hearing these cases brought before him. And you know, once they have the, the 70 elders, now it's like not just the local courthouse. Now it's more like the Supreme court. Right. Right. Um, which is which right. is helpful. He, he can like you know right. eat breakfast and lunch and dinner now, uh, but that that right. seems to be kind of what's going on. And, and then in verse eleven, there's this uh, mention here. You mentioned Samuel, I think, um, uh, that his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So it, it seems right. like Joshua is like the, uh, I, I mean, like the the guard, like the uh, the the temple guard, yeah. the like the court, the bailiff, yeah. right? Is that the word for like the the yeah. guy who like is maintaining order in the courtroom, right? He's like the bailiff, I yeah. guess. Yeah. No, that no, I I I think that works. Because we see even the tabernacle, like in the days of Samuel and Eli, is also a, still a place of judgment. You know, yeah. still a place of settling disputes as well as a focal point of worship. And, and that that notion too of like a focal point of worship, right? This kind of gets to another big idea um, that we were just talking about before about God's presence here, right? And that mm -hmm. the, the people there they had this negative reaction because okay, yeah, we get the angel and we know the angel's gonna, um, you know, like wipe out the bad guys. Okay, like you know, we're, we're I mean, at least we have that. But they're they're in mourning because God's not going with them, right? I mean, this is sort of I mean, you know, this is this is sort of like, you know, we're going to you think about these these moments in uh, in different stories and even in scripture where it's like a child or um, even a spouse is sent away. And, you know, and, it, and they say like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, send you with all the money you need and all the provisions you need. Right. But e even with that, it's like, but you're not coming with me. You know, you're not you're not going to go with me. You mean like we're not going to have you to like talk and. Uh, know your will and i mean because i mean to think about it, this is this is then the extension of that intimate relationship that moses has with god because he's sharing then the things that he says with the with the individual situations that that come up in life right like you know the, these israelites are coming up with like hey this is this thing that's been going on between me and my neighbor for months we don't know what to do and then they get to hear the voice of god to that very specific situation and, and to lose that, to lose God being a part of daily life, that's that that's a terrible thing that's worthy of being mourned, even if God's gonna, you know, make sure they don't get wiped out by Canaanites. Right. Right. And God just doesn't come to any place in the camp. He always comes to this place. And yeah. when they see 
the cloud uh, descend. They all worship each at their own tent door, too. Yeah, which, I mean, that kind of feels a little bit um, like what was going on with Passover, where it was kind of like everyone like yeah. in their own place, but kind of participating in the thing that was going on elsewhere. It was streaming mm -hmm. before you had live streaming of services, right? Uh, there, there yeah. you had it. They did it first. It, it, it was in the cloud, though, right? Yeah. I'm going to add uh, sound effects later. It was still in the cloud. Yeah, they had the cloud back then, too. Yeah. But, okay, so <laughs> let's let's go ahead and take a look here at the last section here, Moses' intercession. So, um, so, yes, so it would be sad to lose out on the localized special presence of God in the midst of them, right? And I think that that's actually why we get the flashback, because it's like, hang on. Uh, oh, so why are they sad about losing God's presence, you ask? Well, because they've been enjoying it this whole time with a tent of meeting, right? Um, very right. You know, logical, right? It's not just kind of a, I don't know, this kind of throwaway insertion or something. So, so then you get the intercession in verse 12, picking it back up, um, really, right. from, what was it, verse 6, right? So yep. uh, kind of going back to that, and now Moses, you know, okay, yes, they've, they've all gone to their rooms, taken out their ornaments, but Moses is going to say, hey, please still come with us. Yep. And it's, I mean, I, I was just struck really by, by the way that this happens. Um, it, yeah, you know, I, I mean, go ahead. I, I kind of think that, you know, when he said, I'm going to send an angel. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not you. And I think in verse 14, he's saying the same thing, but with a different word. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest, that the angel is the angel of my presence. This is the way that I'm ultimately going to be present with you in this incarnate flesh that is my angel, my Malach Yahweh, who is me. And, and when he goes with you, my presence is with you. And it will be I giving you rest, even though you see me in a different way. Right. The angel is not punishment, okay? The angel is actually a better way for us to be together. And then my take would be, you know, Moses is still like, I, I did like the pillar of cloud and fire a lot, okay? Yeah. I'm kind of attached yeah. to that way. You yeah. Know, just show me that like full on. And God's like, no, 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 you can only see my back. And I think his back is, as Luther says. It is the crucified Christ. I mean, that's the only way that we can really come into his presence, especially as sinful people, and not be destroyed. Well, the, the way that I, um, the analogy I use is, I mean, we had that big um, total eclipse like a few years ago, and I happened to be yeah. uh, around St. Louis, which was like right along that, that line, which was just fantastic for viewing. It was really cool. We get, We took Ellie, and she was only like two years old or something, and she got to like, you know, be part of that. And uh, but it, it's like it's like the sun. It's like there's you, you only can see look directly at the sun when it's almost entirely blocked. Right. Like right. like 90 something percent of the light has to be blocked and then you can look at it. Right. Or else it will just fry your eyeballs out. That's just right. that's just what happens. I, I mean, so I right. feel like it's it's very similar this idea where it's just like you need darkness to be shown the light and it's just like you were saying uh you, you need the darkness of the crucifixion to really be able to look up and see god and not just a bronze serpent right. or, or or some other symbol yeah. but if you want to look up and actually just look upon the face of god 
there's got to be a lot of darkness, and that's what you get on Good Friday. Yeah, I, I think so. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like the other thing that you were saying. our theology. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. And and I like the other thing you were saying too about um, like like the presence here, right? Because it kind of makes sense of this in verses fourteen and fifteen. It, it feels a little bit jarring. I feel like in our translation. So God says to yeah. Moses, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." And then then Moses says to God, "Well, if your presence isn't going to go with me, then don't bring us up from here." Right? I mean, so it's sort of like. Right. Hang on a second. Did you mishear him? Like he just said, he will go with you. Um, and then Moses is like, "Well, if you're not going to go with me, so like, you know that 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 feels like it's a little bit of what. Uh, but if what you're saying, if by by God saying my presence, if that's kind of a synonym for my angel, then mm. Moses' response makes sense, where he's like, "But I thought, I thought that you were going to go with us, right? And not just kind of." Your, your 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 less than nearest presence, your the, the angel of your presence, right? Your your representative. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's a little bit of who's on first, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you going with me or not? Or I am, you know, in the the angel is me, and I am the angel. He is the angel of my presence. Yes, I'm going with you. And and then I think that makes sense of the last, you know. I want to see you face to face. I want your presence full on. It's like, nah, that would just burn your eyeballs out. You know, you're going to only see my back. So it's only by the darkness of the cross and the crucified one that we really come into his presence and see his glory. Well, and and really, um, we can see now. Well, yes. Well, and it really kind of gets back to even then the incarnation itself, because I mean, this this is, I feel like the illusion in John one where, you know, he's asking to see the, the glory, right? Um, and, right. and then this is, this is what we, we, we have in John 1, where it's like, we have seen the glory of the one and only, right? So th- this, is, I feel like, is John's point, that you needed the incarnation. You, you, you needed uh, something to block out all that glory, namely human flesh, the flesh uh, of his yeah. mother Mary and our Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you, brother. Yeah. I always enjoy our conversations. I think the movie is clearer for me, too. God bless you and your people. Peace. Thank you. Everybody, that was Pastor Kevin Martin at Our Savior in Rolla, North Carolina. Going on to Chapter 34, The New Tablets. Uh, Really looking forward to this one tomorrow. Till then, everybody, I'm H. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.